This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117, with a shout out to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Keep your heads up during this time of isolation. Stay positive. Play some games. Most importantly, finish the fight. Thanks for listening to XEP. Master Chief, out. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 154 of the Xbox Expansion Pass recorded on Sunday, November 20th, 2022. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we celebrate 20 years of Xbox Live. We'll be checking out some sweet Black Friday deals and we'll celebrate the releases of Pentiment and Warzone 2. Plus, we might sneak in just a bit of talk surrounding the Game Awards. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, I extend words of kindness to two different parties. First, we're extending kindness to Asa Green River of Borderline Entertainment. November, of course, is Native American Heritage Month, and uh, Asa, Miranda, and Baron do an incredible job over at Borderline Entertainment, hoping to have uh, one or two of them on over the next few weeks, regardless of month, uh, because they are just absolutely crushing it there and uh, deserve more recognition. Borderline Entertainment is awesome stuff, and Asa is one of the nicest people I've ever met. I know he's been on the show before. Uh, Just a cool, cool dude. Uh, so shout out to them, of course. Uh, and I also want to give a shout out to Mr. Dapper Tux. Uh, he has been uh, a content creator for a long time. You have to get, you have to check him out. One of the best uh, content creators in general. Uh, one of the nicest Canadians I've ever met. And that's a high bar, of course. Uh, and we just reconnected over the past few weeks. And he absolutely has made, made my timeline better. Uh, and I really appreciate you, Dapper. You're awesome, man. Let's talk about a couple things here. First up, this past week, Xbox Live celebrated its 20-year anniversary. This was done on November 15th, uh, making it 20 years of Xbox Live. It was first introduced, of course, on the original Xbox. I know we had Seamus Blackley on a few months ago, uh, and he talked about the importance of uh, networking that console, having that network cable to, to really take it into the, the broadband age. And it was a pretty cool thing. Uh, all things considered back then. I have sporadic memories because I didn't have an original Xbox. I, I remember thinking to myself, oh, I could play Doom 3 on Xbox. That's really cool. Uh, but I never really jumped in past that. And I know Xbox Live really catapulted when uh, Halo 2 launched in it. That's what really just bumped it into do this kind of what you would say now is like the modern world. It really just brought it into its own. And, and I think set a bar for gaming. I, you know, the Xbox, the Xbox was not the first console to be networked. You had the Dreamcast, which had uh, a dial-up service uh, in terms of multiplayer, right? I know Sega Channel was a thing at one point on Genesis, but to bring it into a broadband age really set a bar that I think uh, the PlayStation Two chased a bit. And then you you look at where the 360 and PS3 went, and Nintendo's still chasing, of course. They still haven't gotten up to <laughs> to that speed set, but it's kind of cool to think. Xbox Live has been around for 20 years, and I know you guys probably have some incredible memories about Xbox Live. I, I think about uh, being in the dorms, uh, resetting my Xbox 360, 
to, to have its DNS, DNS match my laptop so that the school networks thought my Xbox was my laptop, which was really cool because uh, I felt all, all neat and hip, you know, recoding my 360 to make sure it looked like my laptop. And then picking my Xbox Live name, right? Like I wanted to play Ghost Recon and Gears of War. Uh, and and I, I love the word ghost and ghosting people and being stealthy, yada, yada, yada. And so Insipid Ghost was born. And that's where that came from. 2006 cheesy name. And then here we are 20 years uh, after the dawn of the service that that, that uh, imposed on. And then, goodness, like what, 14 years or so or 16 years, 16 years. Uh, I can't I don't I don't math uh, removed from that moment. It was pretty cool. Right. I mean, just really really wild to think about so uh, happy birthday xbox live of course you uh, are now the xbox network but i'll never say that uh, ever again because it's xbox live it always will be uh pretty darn cool to think the standard that was set there uh, so just a quick you know shout out to that Well, Black Friday sales are now in full swing at the time of this recording. Xbox had all of their sales go live on the 17th. Tons of stuff discounted. Uh, I know a lot of stores are now at the time of this recording putting up their stuff to try and avoid that one day rush of Black Friday and kind of ease the burdens of their retail systems. Uh, But a lot of good gaming to be had if you're willing to spend just a little bit of money and far less than you normally would. I think the biggest deal on the Xbox side of things is that the Xbox Series S is $50 off. And that brings it down to, I think, what what you might call the magic sweet spot of $250. Uh, To me, that is the perfect price point and what I think should be the permanent price point for that little box of magic. For the record, Xbox eats a ton of cost on their consoles. They are losing uh, well over $100 on the Xbox Series S uh, every time they sell one, hoping they'll make that money back via you know, services, games, purchases, that kind of stuff. But to me, a $250 price point is the perfect low barrier to entry into next-gen gaming, and I can't recommend it enough. If you are on the fence uh, about the Xbox ecosystem, maybe you're a PlayStation gamer that happens to listen to this show, or you primarily play on your Switch uh, or PC and you're interested in Xbox gaming, uh, I would say if you're a PC gamer, think real carefully because you can do a lot of the Xbox stuff on your PC. But if you're a Switch or PlayStation gamer, you're on the fence. This is the deal for you. This is what you should be taking advantage of. Snag this Series S, uh, the ability to play cloud games from your console so you don't have to download stuff to try them out. Absolutely a huge win. Uh, I think it's important, especially if you're trying to worry about data costs uh, and uh, space costs of of storage, right? Uh, Because some of the most popular games like Warzone are are well over 100 gigs. uh, And that's a, a good fifth of the Series S's memory. But... I absolutely think you should be checking out this system if you're on the fence about an Xbox ecosystem. $250 is the perfect like jump-in point. Uh, you can get all of the Xbox first-party titles uh, on Game Pass. I know a lot of the games go on sale, but really, you, you know, use Game Pass. That is absolutely the way to go. So many day-and-date games drop into there. There's a huge legacy of Xbox titles if you haven't jumped in. Uh, people will, will talk all day long about Forza, Gears, and Halo, and they absolutely should because um, those games are absolutely incredible if you're new to the platform the amount of history in the master chief collection the incredible experiences you get to have in forza horizon uh well just well worth it for sure but then you look at grounded you look at sea of thieves you look at uh something like pentiment that shouldn't exist at all and yet here it is uh, i think your your way to go is game pass for sure and if you're new by the way uh, you the, the one dollar for Game Pass is year round, and Game Pass itself is discounted during this Black Friday sale uh, at a lot of retailers. 
this is the place to jump in. Absolutely check this one out. Um, it's it's this this should be the thing that pushes you over the edge. Uh, and I still think Microsoft should you know eat a little bit more of that cost uh, and get those get that price point down to two fifty. Uh, I know right now all the rage is about possibly raising console prices, and that is a fear that uh, I think is is rational for people to have. We've seen PlayStation raise their prices in several markets. Nintendo is strongly considering it. They've said as much, uh, and Xbox with Phil Spencer has also said. They may have to raise prices in the future, but not for this holiday. So if you're on the fence, this is the way to go for this holiday for sure. To kind of talk a little bit more about these sales, there are uh, they're doing. I'm just going to read from the quick bullet points that they have: 30% off select gaming accessories. That's like controllers and uh, headsets and such. Uh, 67% off hundreds of digital games. 50% off select Xbox Game Studio titles. Again. Do that through Game Pass. Don't don't buy an Xbox Game Studio title. And then 70% off select PC digital games. Uh, I'll say again, Game Pass, the way to go there. Uh, I've looked at those sales and I've snagged a few things for sure. I snagged Sonic Origins, which I'm a big fan of Sonic Mania. I really like that 2D Sonic stuff. Um, and it runs in something called the Retro Engine by Christian Whitehead. And Sonic Origins are the original three games remastered is not the right word, but like tooled into that retro engine to improve gameplay experiences and it's absolutely the way to go uh, i played through and beat sonic the hedgehog for the first time ever uh, in a 2d sonic world which was an absolute blast i'm playing through sonic cd right now before heading into sonic 2 uh, and they play like a dream so if you liked sonic mania sonic origins is on sale that one's a really good time for sure uh, i know i'm getting in the sonic kick because i'm excited to get frontiers at some point which is not on digital sale which surprised me a couple other you know must buys i think sleeping dogs is an absolute must no matter who you are you should absolutely be checking that game out the witcher 3 is on a huge sale right now and that's a big win because the next gen update is in like three weeks at this point uh, and it's a free update so snag the witcher 3 uh, for like what i think it's 30 bucks maybe even less than that i'll pull it up at some point and that is just a sweet, great price point for one of the best games ever made. Uh, second best game ever made, in my opinion, uh, just behind God of War 2018. Uh, I snagged Red Dead 2 for 20 bucks. I had tried to buy that game a few weeks ago. I bought the story mode. Uh, the story mode is not the single player campaign. It's like a multiplayer thing. But the single player campaign is down to 20 bucks, and I'm in for that one to try it out finally uh, for sure. They've got Dying Light 2 down to 30 bucks, which is pretty darn cool. Uh, you know, the Assassin's Creed games are, are there and pretty heavily discounted. Destiny 2 is down to 20 bucks uh, for the Witch Queen, which is neat. Gotham Knights is at 40 bucks, which is a great price point for that game. Uh, if you're a Bat fan and you are wanting a Batman experience or a Batman style experience, definitely check out Gotham Knights. I really love that game. I understand where some people are coming from with it not being for them. Uh, totally get that. But 40 bucks is the right way to go. Uh, don't miss. Please don't miss Cyberpunk 2077. 30 bucks. That game is incredible. Uh, really, really loved my time with Cyberpunk. I know the Resident Evil remakes, Resident Evil 2 and 3, I think are like down to 10 bucks. That's a big win for sure. The Lego Star Wars. Hey, if you're a family person, Lego Star Wars is 30, uh, which is not to be missed. I really liked Lego Star Wars for sure. Tons of indie games are on sale. Uh, I know I snagged one called Curved Space. It's like three bucks. Uh, I saw the Konami shooter shmup games. Uh, down to like four bucks for that collection. The Contra collection down to four bucks, which was pretty cool. Uh, I know I know the Guardians of the Galaxy game is down super, super low at, at that point. Um, it's There's just a ton of things that you can pick up for like set yourself a budget, 50 bucks. You could get some incredible gaming experiences that are uh, range from indie to AAA uh, for just 50 bucks. And I think that's the way to do it. 
especially, especially if you're snagging a Series S. Like you get a Series S, you get Game Pass uh, for a couple bucks, you know, maybe you're up to 300 bucks. And then at 350, uh, you've got several top tier titles that are not in Game Pass and you've got a year's worth of gaming to have there. Uh, yeah, that's the absolute way to go. For sure. The Black Friday deal, I was really impressed with it. Arkham Knight, one of my favorite games of all time, down to four bucks. Do it. Do it. Uh, yeah, it's just cool. There's a ton of good games to be had here. Uh, and if you're not like me and you're not a madman who's bought almost every new game when it's new at this point, uh, you've got some good gaming experiences to have. So celebrate some Black Friday. If you are picking up something, let me know what it is via Twitter or if you comment over on YouTube, that'd be great because uh, I'm worried about Twitter going down at some point. So commenting on YouTube, let me know what you snagged. Uh, on 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 the Black Friday sales, physical or digital? Just curious there. Like, what was your jam? Uh, I know I bought some stuff to to specifically tide me over through the holidays. I know I'm going to finish up Ragnarok. Uh, I might might check out Red Dead Two over the holiday. That might be the right time to do that one. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing Sonic Frontiers. I'm playing through the Sonic Origins collection. Got some indie stuff to work my way through, but. I'm really uh, quite happy with it. Oh, don't miss the Cowabunga Collection. That's a great, great uh, title for sure. So don't miss that one either. All right, let's move on. All righty, guys. The Game Awards is going live. Jeff Keighley's Game Awards will be showcased on December 8th. The nominees are out. We had a fantastic discussion about this with... Uh, Joseph Moran and Ainsley Bowden over on Cast Co-op. If you're willing to check out Season Gaming's YouTube channel, they've got that podcast there. Uh, we had a long discussion about just what the Game Awards mean, why they're flawed, etc. But I thought I might share a little bit as I answer Texas's question. Uh, he writes in and says, not specific to Xbox, but how do you feel about the award show structure? Eligibility to cut off? Do you feel many games released in December get passed over or maybe not even qualify? Have a great show. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Uh, thank you for writing in, Texas. I really appreciate you. Uh, yeah, I I really am frustrated by the Game Awards in a lot of ways. I also, quite similarly, don't care, which is a, a bit of a you know counter to what I just said. I am kind of over the Game Awards, not in terms of the celebration. I think the celebration of our medium is super important. I love how much uh, passion Jeff Keighley and his teams put into celebrating video games and i think that's really special but more and more i feel like the game awards is a really flawed process and it really demeans a lot of the games that come out if they don't fall into a very specific set of categories that are really nebulous and how they get decided uh i know they've come out and explained a little bit about panels for deciding once the nominees are in but really and truly i look at a lot of the nominations and i I raise questions for for why this, not that, what the factors are. Uh, is there a lot of media bias in the people they're checking into? Is there a uh, political level of bias? And, and be careful with interpreting that. Um, I don't mean that in any like grand Democrat, Republican type way, but just in terms of are you going to outlets that that tend to do to focus on really niche topics and that is how they factor in as opposed to game quality, right? Um, I also wonder, you know, why the timing is what it is. It's really frustrating to me that a game can come out uh, prior to the deadline and for the cutoff, but not get nominated because they had nominations complete and public before the cutoff to their their panels. And that's really frustrating to me. I'm, I'm thinking about Pentiment in this case. Pentiment, a game that is not for me, but multiple tens throughout the gaming industry, tons of people loving it. This game was released well prior to the cutoff timing. 
uh, for nominations of the, the Game Awards, and yet all the nominations were put public before the cutoff date. And that to me is a very strange thing. Like, why would that be the case? Um, I really wish they would transition as opposed to an end of the year thing, make the Game Awards a beginning of the year celebration, have the Game Awards in January, let the cutoff timing be from uh, from January to December, and then in the next year you have your award showcase for everything from the prior year, uh, and you use that time to spotlight and celebrate upcoming titles all the commercials that go into it can be for the february march april rush or the stuff for later on in the year i think that would be the way to do it i really don't like just how sketchy i think a lot of the game awards is uh in terms of getting people out again i'm really bothered by this a game can be out before the cutoff date but not even be considered uh, for the timing and i think it's very arbitrary how they decide the timing so i'd really like to see perhaps a bit more transparency, but really just shifting the release window of of the the nominations and the award show itself would be absolutely the way to go. Uh, I will pull up a couple of the nomination categories because I think there's also a lot of frustration in having the same games nominated for the same categories. For Game of the Year, they've got a Plague Tale, Requiem, Elden Ring, Ragnarok, uh, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, what the hell is that doing there, uh, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Those are some pretty good games, with the exception of Stray being a pretty heavy outlier. It's pretty odd to see that one in there ahead of some other titles. Um, but like, who's to argue with Elden Ring? Who's to argue with God of War Ragnarok? Um, th- those are top-tier titles. I think Plague Tale gets a lot of love, which is great. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, perhaps a smaller audience uh, or a, le- a less engaged audience in the timelines that I curate on, on my feeds. But great to see uh, that title in there. And Horizon Forbidden West, I mean, that perpetually glossed over is the Horizon series because they just can't seem to release without another big title near it. But I'm really excited for that one. But then you look at best game direction, Elden Ring, Ragnarok, Forbidden West, Immortality, and Stray. Then you look over at best narrative, Plague Tale, Elden Ring, Ragnarok, Forbidden West. You know, and and you can go through a lot of best art direction, Elden Ring, Ragnarok, Forbidden West. Like, it's really frustrating to me to see the same games in so many categories. And there is a logic to that. But by doing that, I think we pass over so much else to have just the same three, four, five games. And that's really, really frustrating. How could Pentiment not be considered in some of these categories? It surprises me. Again, not a game for me, not my game of the year by any stretch of the imagination, but who's to argue art direction? Who's to argue narrative? Those are top tier art direction and narrative titles. Uh, a lot of much ado about has been made about the Forza Horizon series, which did get representation in last year's game awards, but that's top tier gaming stuff. Why would or not that why would or wouldn't that be in there? Where do expansions fall into this, right? Like how do expansions to to certain games factor in? Because those aren't necessarily live service, I think about Forza Horizon, but that expansion they released was pretty darn good. Was that considered? Was it not? There's just a lot of different frustration for me surrounding it. There's best action game and then best action adventure game. What's the difference in those two? Uh, categories. You look at best action game, Bayonetta 3, Modern Warfare, Neon White, Sifu, and Shredder's Revenge. That's a pretty diverse group right there. Then you look at best action adventure, up oh, Plague Tale, God of War, Ragnarok, Forbidden West, and Tunic. You know, like very, very odd. Stray showing up there also. That that I, I cannot get past how Stray ended up in these categories. I, I feel like I, I, I feel like that bias about 
mindset is is popping in on that one. That that is just wild to me. But I'm really frustrated, Texas, and to anyone else about how the the game awards goes about it. Do game awards themselves, your game of the year, matter? Big picture. Not really. No, your favorite games should be your favorite games and you should be able to celebrate them accordingly. Uh, and this is one outlet among many outlets. But the Game Awards with the, with Jeff Keighley have become the de facto right place for uh, re- kind of representing the overall best games of the year. And again, I stress, it's gr- that is it's a great process to celebrate our medium. I just think there's a lack of diversity in the titles represented. I think there's a really nebulous uh, element to the release dates for these games and what they're going to qualify for and not qualify for. Uh, and I think it's a pretty frustrating place, right? A pretty frustrating place to be. Um, I don't know. I, I really just get frustrated by the conversations that surround it because in no way, way, shape or form do I think that the awards dictate your experiences. But I do think it's a misrepresentation for how the gaming community feels about certain things. Um, for my money, I mean, it's just a, to address game of the year. Um, right now at where I am in God of War Ragnarok, uh, I'm, I'm strongly leaning towards Elden Ring being my game of the year. Um, love Ragnarok. Great game but it's not hitting the same heights for me that the other one did. And so Elden Ring pretty de facto falls into that category. And then some of my favorite gaming experiences of this year are not even on this list. Talk about the Cowabunga collection. I think about uh, Shredder's Revenge. I think about uh, Gotham Knights is one I really enjoyed. That has no business in a game of the year conversation in terms of quality and and whatnot. But like for me, it was one of my favorite gaming experiences this year. So Lots of debate to be had, I guess, in that case. And then, you know, are people going to remember Callisto Protocol if the game is as good as it seems to be? Are they going to remember it in next year's nomination? Or is it going to have Jedi Fallen Order Syndrome? I just get frustrated, I think, by how we go about the Game Awards with Jeff Keighley. But I also want to remind everybody, it doesn't really matter. Enjoy your games. And my suggestion to you, if you loved a video game, tweet, email, Instagram, whatever, whatever platform you use, let those developers know you enjoyed their title big and small. I think it's important that we thank developers for the great experiences they have, especially if those experiences have flaws and the game developers are still creating despite uh, some criticism there. So that's my shout out to them. All righty guys, a quick note on Volition. It looks like after the Saints Row failure, uh, Volition is now going to be absorbed by Gearbox with Embracer Group reorganizing the management stuff going on. Um, In in a statement put out, it said, the reception of Saints Row did not meet full expectations and left the fan base partially polarized. The game development studio Volition has been working hard to improve the player experience. Going forward, Volition will transition to become part of Gearbox, which has all the tools including an experienced management team in the U.S. to create future success at Volition. This is the first internal group transfer where we transfer a major studio between operative groups, but it is not necessarily the last, end quote. Uh, Pretty big statements coming out of Embracer. Of course, there's a lot to take in as far as why this happened. Uh, Certainly, uh, Volition's efforts with Saints Row botched pretty heavily with critical reviews, pointing out just all the technical failures there, and it makes perfect sense. Uh, Other stuff popping out of this kind of same statement that they made, there's a mystery six-year deal with several industry partners involving multiple large games that's taking place uh, under this Embracer Group movement. Dead Island 2 was delayed to April 28th. Investments have been too slow in terms of their returns, uh, and an internal review is underway, which may lead to spinoff companies, which is interesting to see them 
fold one company or one studio underneath the management of another, but they might do spinoffs as well. Um, it's just one of those interesting things to follow as Embracer Group works to make money off of their many, many, many acquisitions. I don't think the Volition News is a surprise. Of course, they botched that Saints Row launch pretty heavily. It's kind of a bummer. I am interested to see just what Gearbox brings to the table in terms of management. I know we had Borderlands 3, which was a pretty big hit, uh, but failed to reach the heights of Borderlands 2. Uh, they've been supporting that game pretty well. It was a pretty underrepresented uh, Telltale-like title with Tales from the Borderlands, which nobody seemed to really notice despite it coming out to good critical reviews. You have to wonder what's going on with that one. Nonetheless, uh, Embracer continuing to be a talking point for a lot of reasons. Uh, and I'm just kind of curious to see what happens. I am glad Dead Island 2 got delayed to April. It was in a crowded window, and I'm, I'm glad it's not there anymore. Alrighty, guys, quick listener mail. I know we talked about Texas's question. Anubis had written in regarding the Black Friday uh, sales. And Anubis, I'm sorry I didn't get you into that segment. It was just the timing of when it came in versus when I'm recording. But I'm seeing it right now. Any hot... Uh, any holiday deal shout outs he says off the top of my head i know there's some series s stuff out there for 250 and some deals even better the cowabunga collection for 20 bucks at gamestop that's probably the only game i'm buying this week um anubis can't go wrong with the cowabunga collection i know i detailed some of the other titles that uh, i think are worth snagging but uh yeah you can't go wrong with that i really really love the cowabunga collection that's a great experience for sure again I'll, I'll just remind i'm sonic origins for me for a cool retro experience uh red dead 2 gotham knights cyberpunk i mean there, there's a lot of good games there for sure uh, i was quite pleased with the the black friday sales this year with the exception of sonic frontiers which has only seemed to be discounted did uh physically not digitally uh, i have a feeling i'm going to go get it physically and then they're going to drop it on like a cyber monday sale but what are you going to do uh, another question popping in from Edward Varnell. He says, as Microsoft gears up for 2023, do you think they'll have a big conversation? They'll be the big conversation about games. Will they have a roadmap for at least five of their titles after their release? Hmm. Edward, we say this too often, but it feels like next year is Xbox's year, right? Uh, shout out to what they have coming out. We've got, of course, Redfall. We've got Starfield. You have to think they're going to get one more title in there. I I think 2023 could be Microsoft's best year in a long time. I'm not sure Redfall and Starfield are games for Luke Lore, but I'm absolutely going to try them thanks to Game Pass. You got to think Ghostwire Tokyo is going to be out on Game Pass uh, earlier in the year, but I feel like it'll be a pretty muted release given that you know Deathloop didn't really make anybody excited uh, when it really hit Game Pass. I feel like it just kind of was like expected and no big to do about it but they've got a lot of stuff that needs to be shared and shown what's happening with fable what's happening with Avowed? what's happening with perfect dark what's happening with what's happening with what's happening with we know a lot of their titles uh that they've got coming up we know that different teams are working on different projects what's going on with indiana jones outer worlds 2 is that anywhere on the horizon probably not but what's going on with this or that uh 2023 they really need to stamp out like hey this is what we got going on. This is what's coming to our games. Sea of Thieves continues to impress in terms of its content creation and production. Uh, Forza Horizon, big splash when it first launched and then kind of faded out of the conversation despite successful numbers. Halo Infinite just dropped its winter update, which uh, did really well. Forge, Forge is really turning some heads, and the winter update has brought a lot of different gameplay experiences and battle passes, but that Season 3 uh, where they bring in 
it looks like season three is going to bring in a couple new features. I had to stop myself. Um, and then season four will have Project Tatanka, which is going to be the Battle Royale. There's a lot of elements to be excited about for the, the first party element. But I need I need to see new. I need to see special. So we'll see there. Alrighty, guys, that's going to do it for this show. If you are listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass on a podcast service and you have a question for me, you can always write in insipidghost at gmail.com. I am checking and being more diligent about checking the comments over on the YouTube side, particularly with Twitter starting to fade away. If Twitter is still alive, you can find me on Twitter at insipidghost and the same handle over on Instagram. Uh, Caveat, I haven't posted anything on Instagram. I'm only using that as a reserve just in case Twitter does somehow fail. Um, thanks to Elon's antics, but, uh, please do check out the YouTube side of things. I'm working on YouTube shorts. I've got some content creation plans in the works for the next few weeks, just for fun. Uh, and yeah, that'll pretty much do it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Some good interviews coming up in the next few weeks. Take care.